Basketball can't feel like that. To me, Dr. Bus, it do. So I don't know if I told you this, but before I was a journalist, I was a historian. Mm. Which means when I'm doing my work as the TV editor at the LA Times, I kind of have a soft spot for period pieces. Which is kind of why Winning Time, this new HBO show about the 80s, LA Lakers struck me as the perfect subject for a podcast. I mean, one, it's set in our backyard. Two, it's about this iconic NBA franchise. And three, it's about a transformative period in American life. There's just one problem. What's that? I don't know about basketball. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's why I'm here. Right. Exactly. You're my basketball guy. Thanks for saying that. You're my TV guy. And I'm glad that my decades of professional basketball experience have finally paid off. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. This is kind of perfect. TV expert, basketball expert, TV show about basketball. Now we'll be able to join forces to explore really every aspect of the Showtime phenomenon because as we're discovering, it isn't just about what they brought to the on-court play. And it's not just about the culture that they created and that embraced them. It's about both those things together. People both in L.A. and around the country are going to watch the show Winning Time, and they're going to have all of these questions that they're going to Google about, like, who's Jerry Buss? Who is Claire Rothman? Why did the Showtime Lakers matter? Like, how did the Laker girls start? Why was Magic Johnson such a great point guard? We can use the show as a jumping-off point to answer those questions. I did actually, before we get started, want to ask you, though, you're from L.A., What do the Showtime Lakers mean to you? So I was born a Laker fan, and I grew up in the 90s. So I heard a lot about Showtime and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson. And still, I think I took for granted how much these Laker teams actually did for, yes, the Laker franchise, but also the NBA as a whole. Now the NBA is this big, ubiquitous global brand, but it wasn't always that way. These guys made it that way. That's exactly what they did. When you go to an NBA game today and you see dance troops and you see crazy halftime entertainment and you see celebrities courtside, that's all the Showtime Lakers. The modern NBA does not exist as we know it without that. That's Jeff Perlman. He literally wrote the book on Showtime. As in the book Winning Time is based on. So... Kareem, I don't actually really know that much about the NBA now, but I certainly know (laughs) nothing about the NBA in 1979. Yeah, well, I'm a basketball player, and I don't even know that much about the NBA before 1979, but you know who does? Jeff Perlman. I would compare the NBA before Jerry Buss to an empty shopping mall. Like, you know when you go to a mall, and it's kind of a dead shopping mall, and it's sort of depressing, and maybe there's a Spencer Gifts open, and there are two stores in the uh, food court. Like... The NBA was an empty mall. It really was. The NBA was an empty mall. And no one was watching them on TV either. The Showtime Lakers' first championship series was preempted by reruns of Dallas. Like, the ratings were so low that they would rather air a rerun of a primetime soap opera than an NBA championship game, which seems like completely inconceivable today. Oh, totally. I don't even know what Dallas is. And that was what I would have been watching instead of my Lakers win the championship in 1980. 
Right. And I think actually the show kind of introduces this through the character of Frank Mariani, who was Jerry Buss's business partner in their real estate empire, which is how Jerry Buss had the money to trade the Chrysler building for the Lakers in the first place. Oh, the guy that was trying to talk him out of buying the Lakers. The entire league is on the verge of bankruptcy. There may not be an NBA in five years. Spoiler alert, Matt. The NBA did survive those five years and still exists now. Oh, man. So Jerry Buss really got in on the ground floor of this massively successful business venture, which is now the modern NBA. When Jerry Buss came in, he wasn't your traditional owner. He really was the first NBA owner to see this all as an entertainment venue. Like this is an entertainment business we're in. This is not a basketball business, it's an entertainment business. There's a huge difference between the two. And, you know, from the very beginning of meeting Magic, you know, like this is more than just a really good basketball player. This is a guy who represents something, you know, and could really embody something that we're trying to sell. And when you're a salesman and the perfect marketer comes along, I guess you just kind of know it. And he found him, you know? I imagine the conversation at the time was like, who is better? Larry Bird or Magic Johnson and NBA executives are pulling their hair out trying to figure that out. And what Jeff Perlman is saying and what winning time is showing us is that Jerry Buss never really cared to have that discussion. Jerry Buss was as interested in Magic for his personality and what he could do for the Lakers as a marketer as he was interested in him as a basketball player. And he turned out to be really good anyway. I think if you hear someone who watched Magic play live in these years talk about it and remember it, you get a sense of why Jerry Buss knew instinctively that Magic was the guy that he wanted to pick. There's this one play that Magic Johnson did. It's super obscure, right? The Nets had a point guard named Pearl Washington, and Magic is driving down the lane one time, He's coming down on Pearl, and Pearl was a horrible defensive point guard anyway. He's coming down on Pearl, and Pearl's planted, and Magic does his, like, look to the right, unfurls his arm, and just somehow whips it left. And I think it was Cooper slashing in and just gets it to Cooper, and, and Pearl Washington is just frozen. And Magic is just like, it was almost like he was hovering above everything. It's almost hard to explain, and it was so graceful and beautiful. And that really, like, when I think of Showtime, the first thing I think of is Magic Johnson driving in on Pearl Washington and just freezing him. Other people had done no-look passes before, but Magic Johnson made it really cool. And that's one of the things that just added the flash and pizzazz that Jerry Buss was looking for was interesting to me. I actually think that we should break that down, like exactly what it was that made Magic Johnson this quote-unquote generational talent, which we see in the show and basically everyone that we talk to about this. So in your mind, what's the first thing that I need to know about Magic Johnson <laughs> yeah. as a point guard? Magic was like the first of his kind. I mean, the biggest thing is he was a 6'9 point guard, which didn't exist. And there was a lot of concern. There was genuine, legitimate, understandable concern. How is a 6'9 point guard going to go along in the NBA? You have all these point guards who are six feet, 6'1". So you're a 6'9 point guard. That means you have a higher dribble. How, how are you going to handle? How are you going to navigate against little tiny Archibald's coming up to you and trying to steal the ball. And he was able to make it work. And that was a precursor for every Kevin Durant type player you see today. The beginning was Magic Johnson. I mean, I really do find that to be true. Like the operative word is reinvent. And I guess there was a reinvention because I just grew up and 
the NBA is the way it is, you know, very similar to the way it is now, back in the 90s and early 2000s. But all that was because Magic helped to reinvent the way the game is played. And Jerry Buss also sort of reinvented how the game was displayed and packaged and turned into this entertainment product that went beyond just hardcore basketball fans. So I sort of think of Jerry Buss and Magic Johnson as this marriage made in basketball heaven or this chemical reaction that you can only get between these two particular people at this particular time. Binge Sesh. Binge Sesh Winning Time was created by Matt Brennan, and it's produced by Matt Brennan, Kareem Maddox, that's me, and Alex Higgins, scored and mixed by Mike Heflin. Our editor is Lauren Rabb, and our executive producers are Jasmine Aguilera and Shani Hilton. Alex Higgins composed our theme music. Thanks to Tova Weinstock, Allison Snig, Julia Turner, Christian Stone, and Village Workspaces. I'm your co-host, Matt Brennan. I'm Kareem Maddox. Binge sesh. You know, I might even teach you a skyhook if that's something you want to learn. I actually don't really know what a skyhook is. And you're 6'8", I'm 5'9". I'm like literally trying to conceive of the physics <laughs> by which a five foot nine person skyhook could do any kind of damage <laughs> against someone who's fully a foot taller than him. Let me give you a life hack. When someone named Kareem wants to teach you the skyhook, you just got to say yes. Okay. You're going to be great at it.